0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have a music legend on the show. Now, the interesting thing with this music legend is he's not technically a musician, but he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know who I'm talking about, Mr. Matt Penfield from MTV, from Farm Club, from the two hours with Matt Pinfield podcast, from I don't know ten billion other things, this man has interviewed everybody. He has friends all over the industry. He's respected by the entire industry, uh, and by my and, and by myself. He's he's also respected. He's been a part of my musical upbringing since I was a teenager. Uh, watching one hundred and twenty minutes, and I told him uh, when I was on vacation at my parent or my grandparents' house down in Seattle, we didn't have cable up in alaska so when we went down on vacation it was free rain except mtv didn't come in clearly it was all uh what do you call it fuzz or um uh, static but you could listen so i would listen to 120 minutes and get the new music but i would hear matt's voice so i never knew what he looked like uh this was before you know the internet was a big thing so you know i i had this uh I guess, this kinship to his voice, and I think that's why I love his podcast so much, which is over now, but he's doing much more, Uh, but the Two Hours with Matt Pinfield podcast was awesome because it took me back to those interviews on 120 Minutes I Used to Listen to. Anyway, uh, got in touch with Matt. He's super gracious uh, with his time coming on board to do the show. Uh, It was an awesome chat. It's super fast-paced, which is his style, Uh, tons of stories, awesome stories about... uh, Maynard from Tool and and uh, some Portugal the Man stuff, some Iceland stories. Uh, anyways, I could talk to him for hours, but we did about an hour, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I know I just put out an episode on Thursday uh, with Yvette Young. That part three is available, um, and I think iTunes got confused because she's been on three times, and I think when I put the title in as Yvette Young covet. I think it got confused in some people's podcast players, so I changed it to say Yvette Covet Part 3. So hopefully that came up in your guys' subscription box um, and you guys could check that out. Anyway, let's get some business out of the way real quick and then we'll dive right in. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is my email. If you want to get in touch with me, send me guest ideas, comments, questions. Uh, Hey, good job. Hey, you suck. Send it my way. I answer all my email and uh, I love to hear from you guys. I've been getting some extremely thoughtful reviews on the show, which lets me know you guys are listening and I love it. And uh, yeah, big ups to you guys. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. We got sent, I know I've been saying it, but we got some big stuff coming up uh, that we'll announce shortly. So be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a beat. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with the one and only. Matt Pinfield. dude thanks for doing this for one i appreciate it i've been i've been you've been on my radar for you know most of my adult my teenage and adult life i'm 38 now so
1: I, that's awesome dewey i appreciate <laughs> it yeah you know, but, that's great
0: dude yeah and I, I mean from watching 120 minutes to i mean all of it the the, the one thing i loved probably the most was the the two wow. hours with matt F- pinfield podcast uh
1: yeah and uh, you know i <coughs> kind of be it- Sorry about that I gotta quit smoking Which is really bad Everything else I've given up Of course But you know I just It's hilarious That I was still right there So anyway <laughs> That's next You know Small steps Small steps Yeah He's hard feel about it Yeah But um you know, which is hilarious, but, you know, because I'll i be hiking one minute and smoking the next. It's like a bad old 50s TV commercial where, like, you have Lee <laughs> Marvin boxing and he's got a cigarette in his mouth, like, in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, really funny shit, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. But, dude, yeah, I love that podcast. And then it ended. What You did, what, 200 episodes? Yeah, yeah, and I'll kind of ex- talk about that and explain it to you. Yeah, you know what I mean too.
1: I mean, are you recording now, or do yeah, you
0: want Yeah, dude, I I start this 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 is one thing I've learned from you is yeah. just being real and being yeah. honest is the best way to do things. And oh, I yeah. have taken that to my podcast. Uh, When I'm interviewing people, it's not I even mean, because it's just a conversation. Like I don't have notes. I don't do that. Yeah. I, I just know what I want to say or I don't, and I walk through it. Right, so. Um. Yeah. Tell me about that because I I love that podcast and you yeah, have yeah. you have my boys in Portugal the Man on. Uh, I was with I them for a guys. few years. Um, back in the day in two thousand seven, two thousand five, that area. And uh yeah, walk me through that because I, I love that podcast.
1: Well, you know, it was really it was something that you know we had decided to do. It was actually connected to a syndicated radio show called Two Hours of Matt Pinfield, and at the time, um the people at Westwood one wanted to actually license the name 120, 120 minutes from Viacom, but uh, they weren't having it. You know what I mean? And they, you know, they've, they've still been talking to me about doing a new podcast uh, for 120 minutes with Viacom uh, coming up, uh, you know, with doing something with them and, and, you know, I heart and uh, you know, but that's something that's in, it's in discussion, but uh, I love doing that podcast. Now what the re the, what was really interesting about it was, it was completely the ones that would you would listen to were raw because we would do those interviews because I always treated them like real interviews and, you know, standalone conversations. Um, and what we would do is my producer, uh, would edit parts of that interview into that show that ran 10 to midnight in 21 different cities, you know, including Uh Chicago. Uh, I mean, there were many, but, um, you know, like Tucson. I mean, there were, there were quite a few uh, cities that ran that show and parts of those interviews would end up on the show playing with, you know, with their music. But the the podcast itself was fun because it was straight up interview. It was just, you know, from the moment we sat down uh, and just let it go. And I think that's great. I, 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 you know, I, I thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. as a compliment uh, saying that you, uh, you do, you kind of do things the same way. And, and I love that. It was a lot of fun to do, but when the show, his show lasted two years. So that was about the amount of time that we had to do the podcast. So we did 200 episodes. We did that final one with Maynard, you know, of course. Uh Yeah. And he and I, you know, our friendship goes back to, you know, in my years at MTV, I'll just, I'll never forget him. You know, I was, I was literally, I was going out to, you know i think it was lexington kentucky i there you might remember that video for not a Serf's popular oh yeah yeah well sarah sebastian the actress who played the cheerleader check her and i were hanging out you know we were so she had invited me twice to lexington to hang out and meet her family and go down there and um i remember checking my voicemail when i finally got to lexington i'll just say it was the craziest story ever i remember getting on the plane And it was around Thanksgiving time or so. And I was, I think I was flying down there for Thanksgiving and they were literally weighing people in Newark airport to get on the plane. You know what I mean? Because Uh of the winds were so high. And at one point I remember I'm I'm sitting there in my seat, you know, I've got like a vodka and cranberry and I'm listening, you know, to a disc man at that time. It was pre iPods. And I remember, (laughs) uh, listening to like underworld's born slippy it was probably a train spotting soundtrack or something and i remember literally the plane went on its side it went boom and uh and literally everything went flying but i was like hypnotized by the song so it didn't phase me at all <laughs> <laughs> it but it was a pretty frightening thing to happen anyway eventually I, I made it my way to lexington i checked my voicemail and it's maynard who i had not met yet but of course you know i played him on the radio and, um, he just, he left me this message and he said, Hey, Matt, he goes, uh, this is Maynard from that freaky rock band tool. He goes, <laughs> you know what? So what his exact words were, and he said, oh, I re- you know, I always remember, I, I, I tend to remember these things, you know, like literally verbatim, uh-huh. uh, things that people say to me. I mean, I have, I have a memory for things that I care about, you know, and, but anyways, he goes, that's what he said. He said, Matt it's Maynard from that freaky rock band tool. He goes, you know, I really don't like many people on MTV, but I think you and I could do something cool together. And, um, and then, like, I think I just got distracted for about a week or two. And he called me back and he said, Matt, did you get my last message? I left me another message. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he and I met in Los Angeles when I was out there doing something for MTV. And we went out for Huevo Rancheros for breakfast. And that started years of friendship between me and Maynard, uh, you know, obviously like doing I remember when a perfect circle. Well, well, I should backtrack a little bit. So we ended up doing Tool interviews for Matt Rockin' for 120 minutes with me, him, and Danny Carey, uh, like sitting on the rocks in Central Park, um, which was the only time, that was the first time they were actually seen on television. So, you know, and it was really also funny that that MTV at the time didn't want me to say stink fist when I (laughs) uh, premiered the video for Tool. So. So what I did instead was I shook my hand like a fist and then smelled my hand as, as I was saying, <laughs> track number one, because I go this is track number one. And then I was just doing that and it was pretty funny and ridiculous. But at the same time, me kind of sticking my nose up saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this anyway. Cause my, certainly people that were watching 120 minutes knew what the song was called. oh hell so, yeah they do. You know, I mean, there are certain things, you know, like that, you know, in, what, what what there was an apartment there it was called uh, standards and practices that you know sometimes would have record labels edit out certain things that they they didn't want in the videos that they thought were questionable um and that one straight out came the title and you know uh, but but oddly enough a couple of years later they let me debut prodigy smack my bitch up which was you know all kinds of stuff going on in there drug use you name it uh-huh. and uh but i had to show it at midnight that was like the earliest that i could show the video so it only played you know in the beginning of 120 minutes and then was in lunar rotation oh my so God. it was like but anyway so yeah maynard and i that was really funny so he was the last interview because i asked him to come on and he was promoting that uh, that first single from the last uh, perfect circle record but he and i have just so many funny funny great memories because you know we became great friends after that and there were so many fans of of tools at mtv and because he wasn't in the videos up until that time he'd come up to visit me in my office and you'd somebody be there with a tool sticker like on their cubicle and he'd come in and uh they didn't even know who he was of course (laughs) he (laughs) just (laughs) you know and I think I remember he and I going to the Grammys together. I got like two tickets for the Grammys and he and I went, um, but you know, we used to, we used to hang out quite a bit when he would come to New York city. And then my, uh, you know, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time who, uh, you know, became my, uh, you know, when I got married a second time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, her and I are still very, very, very close friends, but you know, we're not married anymore, but we have a daughter together, my, my youngest daughter. And, but anyway, she and I, Jumped on a tour bus with Tool and did a couple of the Lollapalooza dates back then. You know when when Maynard had the uh, you know the uh, toilet plunger uh, breast. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <I> remember. <laughs> <laughs> and there. So you know Maynard's great. He's, he's always he's always been challenging his audience and he's so funny. You know I remember there was another time. You know of course there were so many things we did. I mean I helped him launch the first perfect circle album when they were opening for nine inch nails and I was there with him and Trent at the first show, which I think might've been in Phoenix, Arizona. So we did a broadcast of that and that was for radio. And then, um, you know, uh, and then I, you know, a, a years, a couple of years later, he didn't want to do any press for the rest of the world. So he wanted to like knock it all out. So I went up to, uh, his place in Jerome, Arizona, where now he has like a bunch of businesses there when I was there, before he had started, uh, you know, his, his wine company, he literally, there were just some migrant workers just starting to plant vines and to, and to you know, and to construct them kind of on the side of the mountain up there. Um, and I remember just, uh, you know, going up there and he and I shooting everything we needed for that covers album, Emotive. And uh, it was just really funny because we, the hotel that was near there was an old mental hospital. And it was, um, you know, it was a mental hospital and there was, uh, you know, supposedly, you know, some crazy things that happened there. So there was a restaurant connected to it. So me and Maynard, his dad, and um, and his manager at the time who was managing, because the management was separate from Toulon from Perfect Circle, just to, so things don't get confusing. Mm-hmm. And um, we're having dinner and I go into the hotel and it's this old hotel. And the guy behind the desk goes, I see he has a couple of videotapes behind there. And, you know, by this time everybody had, You know, uh, DVDs, but they had a couple old VHS tapes, and he goes, Would you like to watch one of our uh, VHS tapes of. of unsolved mysteries or sightings uh or like you know like b- about our hotel uh-huh. and i'm like oh yeah of course you know what was so funny was it was about ghosts in the hotel and of course i took it upstairs and, and watched it <laughs> while i was going to sleep <laughs> I, you know i wasn't spooked at all by it and i remember bringing it back down in the morning and then the story was that supposedly a guy and you know like a caretaker maybe in the 1700s or whatever it was 1800s uh had hung himself might have even been in the 1900s i don't remember the date but i mean the story was that the caretaker had hung himself in the lobby there which i guess used to be the entrance to the mental hospital so maynard uh, i don't talk to him for a few days i leave i leave i, I drive back to the airport in phoenix get on a plane and uh, a couple of days later i get a voicemail from maynard going hey man i've never heard from you in a couple of days uh what are you, just hanging around the hotel?
0: Oh, my <laughs> God.
1: A dry humor. I mean, he's the funniest, man. He's great. I mean, I love it. I love him. We've we've got this friendship that has lasted years. And uh, one of the other things that was really funny years later was uh, when we did the one-year relaunch of 120 Minutes, when they let, when they had the thing going for a year in, in 2011, I invited him up. And he was tour touring. Uh, he was promoting Pucifer at the time. And I remember... The funniest thing in the world was, you know, I said to my girlfriend at the time, who was, you know, a school teacher, an art school teacher, and I said, Maynard called and He said, Hey, man, do you want to come see us tonight? And I said, I looked at her and I said, Hey, you want to go see Cool tonight? This, they're, they're amazing lives. She goes, Yeah, of course. Um, and it's funny because Maynard's texting me, like, uh, going, Pick up, hey, tough guy, you pick up your, your tickets yet? And, you know, I was like, No, I'm going through the Lincoln Tunnel. And then he made a funny, derogatory comment about, uh, about the Lincoln Tunnel because he's hilarious. Uh-huh. But, I, I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, look, I know if you we got to get up and teach tomorrow, if you're getting really tired, don't worry. We can leave early. And uh, we, you know, we get there. I open the tickets. We go down to our seats and they're literally second row center right in Maynard's sight line because <laughs> Danny Perry's playing up front. And he's right behind him. All, and I looked at her uh and I go oh, Alex we are not leaving early. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> no sure. I go oh, no, I don't walking out of my friend's show. So if you're tired we're sticking it out. And it was a great <laughs> show. And it was so funny. I mean it, I mean he texted me some really funny comments the minute he got off stage. I mean it couldn't have been more than 2 minutes that he was texting me just just busted, just kind of like saying some really funny stuff about uh, the audience and he just makes funny comments. I go oh. and I remember saying Maynard uh you know, I mean there were a lot of young people there too. And he goes, Yes, but they were sperms when I when I wrote these songs. I mean, it's just like really <laughs> <laughs> his sense of humor is great. I mean, I love the guy. I mean he's a brilliant man, he really is. Uh super talented. also, you know, super athletic, you know. Like I mean, he's he trained with the Gracies, you know, doing yeah. uh,
0: has he talked you into doing jujitsu yet?
1: No, he did not talk me into that, but I remember at one point he and I were trying to figure out a way to Produce a show involved with MTV about that and and with the with the Gracies. So you know I was I was work we were working on that thing together, but it never actually happened. But uh, yeah, you know it's just uh, he's doing he's just uh, a great guy. So I was glad he was the final guest, bringing it all back around to that, to that podcast. Yeah, two hours of Matt Pitfield. It was it was great to have Maynard on there. God, well we two hundred episodes, and you know a lot of them don't exist anymore because what happened was. I think the first 125 or 26 are still out there on some platforms. But when they changed the one platform, uh, they did not keep up the payment to keep it, uh, uh, you know, the to have the content out there. So we lost a ton of those, which is
0: extremely disappointing.
1: But, you know, yeah. what are you
0: going to you know, well, it's a um, legacy. You know, like that's the one thing that's cool about that podcast is when I my first exposure to you was uh, at my grandparents' house in Seattle on MTV. So I, I grew up in Alaska, like with the, the Portugal guys. Like we grew up on a, I grew up on an island and moved up to the mainland when I was 11. Uh, you know, we didn't have cable. So I didn't have MTV. So on vacation in Seattle, I'd go to my grandpa's office and he didn't get MTV either, but he got it to where it would be blurred out, like static, but you could hear it. So I was listening to 120 minutes, not watching it really. I mean, you would come in every once in a while. So I couldn't, at the time, couldn't even tell you what you looked like. I was just hearing your voice and then listening to the music because stuff I didn't hear. And so eventually when I started watching the show, of course everything made more sense but then when I when I listen to you on the radio or the podcast that's where it really connects with me because that was my first exposure is your voice and your stories they made they made uh, they're more impactful to me because it was you know going right in my ears if that makes sense yeah, you know,
1: I love that and I think you know I mean it's it, 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 certainly just like what we're doing right now it, it, you know what it was doing it was it was always a really honest. And uh, and about, like you said, really having a conversation, uh, you know, with the artists, because a lot of them are my friends. But even the ones that aren't, it's it's really about that. I just never really liked when I saw interviewers who weren't prepared and didn't know anything about the artists that they were interviewing. And it was always as as a guy growing up, there wasn't that much music on television. There was some, you know what I mean? But yeah. uh, And there were certain shows that were go to's. But, you know, when I would see somebody interview an artist and just like you could tell they didn't do any kind of research or homework or they never listened to the music, you know, that was I thought, always thought that that was really unfortunate and unfair to the fans of the artist. And now, you know, so I always wanted to make sure that what I did with artists was really give them a platform to speak about why and when they wrote their music. And, you know, I, I remember. uh Somebody once saying, I mean, I mean, most you know, obviously I've gotten a lot of positive feedback over the years, but I remember one, one critical thing that I remembered and I, and how I answered it back was, Oh, you know, he loves every, every band. I go, well, I mean, I love every band, but I do think it's fair to every band and every artist that I make sure that I represent them in a good way for their fans. And for somebody who might become a fan, because they spent six months or whatever it took the time to, put their blood on the tracks to make a, a, a record and that's their music, their art. Uh, and I think that that's the only the fair thing. I'm not sitting here. I, you know, I'll leave that to critics that feel like that they have to take stabs at people. That's never been my way of doing things. I, I'd rather take that, you know, a positive route, you know, yeah. if there's something something that I really dislike, you know what I mean? Is I, 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 I basically, agree with the uh, you don't have anything good to say <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you find yeah. something
0: you love you find something that you're yeah. into in that artist you yeah. know like that's yeah. what it seems to me like you'll if you can tell sometimes if you if you're not like you know it's not one of your favorite bands but you'll find something positive or something that you can latch on to to connect and that opens everything up for the fan to listen to right <laughs> like that's the yeah. the gist of it
1: that it really does and that's the most important thing i think that's that's my responsibility, you know, when I'm doing that and, you know, and I've loved that I've gotten, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, you know, and I think, I mean, I, I, I lost count of how many interviews I've done, but it's just gotta be at least, you know, 1500. I mean, I'm just, and oh, that's like yeah. a wild guest. I mean, but, but if you think about it, for all those years, because you know, I've been in radio, not counting college radio for 36 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been, I did my first, uh show on mtv filling in like 28 years ago so it's amazing that i've that i'm still going still syndicated on the radio and i'm still doing you know tv and and you know live streaming and a bunch of other things i love it and i'm very very grateful that i i'm still able to work at doing what i love and working with music because it's always you know been the most important thing it's been you know it's music is your soundtrack to your life and it's also you know, it's that thing that gets you through in the good, good and the bad times.
0: So well, yeah, you know, absolutely. And you, and you put out uh, a book that was awesome. I I got it because um, I, I I do this show and I work full time, three kids. Like I have very little time to do other things, so I got the audiobook version uh, and went through that. And I was totally the one thing I will say I was bummed that you didn't narrate it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm that guy tell you why. announced yeah. names weird. Like it was weird, yeah. but but the stories were killer. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad. I mean, about that. What happened was, I had just moved to San
1: Francisco to do a morning show at the station KFog, and I, you know, I decided, you know, that I was going to take. They'd offered me the job to go there a year before, but it was just like it would, it wasn't affordable to move there at the time. So we figured it out a way to do it, involved with the other syndicated shows that I do. So it, it you know, it worked out for me to move there. But the problem was. I moved there. Everything was, was firing. It was happening at once. I mean, I literally got there and had to go host a charity event in Prague, Czechoslovakia the next day. Jesus so Christ. they forgot that I told them that I was going. So I, I, I was on the air. My first radio show was the day that Prince died there. And, um, and i literally was on the air my morning show ended prince died i stayed on the air for four more hours and literally or even more i mean i you know four more hours no i was the air for six more hours so i think i was on the air for 10 hours and six of that was you know tribute to prince taking phone calls and in fact i'm really good friends with his original guitarist who was with him all the way up until the time of purple rain des dickerson and i texted him and i said Listen, I know this is—I know how close you were. So, you know, if you—if you're not—if you—if you don't want to do this, I completely understand. But I said, can you? Would you? This is my first day on this radio station. <clears throat> and Would you consider going on the air with me to talk about Prince? And he said, yeah. Give me in a half an hour. And he called me, and we talked about him. You know, wow. for a good like, half an hour, 45 minutes. He's, you know, and he played like he, he left Prince's band. Uh, right around the time of uh, right before Purple Rain, but he's in Purple Rain. He's doing like his song Modern Air in that movie because him and Prince were best friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were, uh, but he, you know, he just decided he didn't want to do the touring cycle again, so he started doing a little bit of his own thing. But even up until when Prince was like the end of Prince's life, you know, they had gotten together again and spent time together, and you know, and Prince, uh, you know, met his son and. You know, there's there's just some great stories there, and um, so that day was crazy. So the reason I brought that up with the book was everything was happening at one time. So I, I get I'm 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 there in San uh, San Francisco. Uh, I, they forgot in, in management that I was leaving that night to go all the way to Prague for a couple of days <laughs> to host the charity event, which is like. That's a, that's a long flight, right? Yeah, it so is. All of, sudden, all of a sudden, all the news cameras come in because, you know, they know that I met Prince and spent some time with him. And we, uh, you know, but just because of that history. So they, I mean, I did like MSNBC with Brian Williams from the phone and then a bunch of the other local, all the other news affiliates, like all came in and filmed me. And so at the very same time, I'm calling my girlfriend back in New Jersey going, Hey, I got to get these pictures in for, it's the deadline for the photos for my book. I go, can you help me? You, I go, you know how to get to all my stuff. And then, so I had her looking, working on that for me, like she knew what I wanted. So she was like doing that. They are interviewing me at the same time. This is all happening. I have to get that from her, forward it to the publisher, to Simon & Schuster, and then get in an Uber and go to the airport, get on an international flight to Paris and then to Prague. I stay there two days, and I come back and I land and I get to customs. And right at the end, I go, Hey, uh, so how you doing? What's, what's it like? Go, I, I go, uh, You know, I said something that had to do with Monday. And he goes, It's not Monday, it's Sunday. And I go, What? And he goes, <laughs> See, I never, nobody ever informed me that coming back, you gain a date, I'll uh-huh. lose it. So I could have stayed an extra day and I killed myself going back and forth (laughs) in two days. But that was the kind of things that were happening, uh, you know, because I was not only was I doing, you know, two hours of math, it was a podcast, the radio show. My my syndicated show that's still on out there. that's a classic rock history show. It's on all over the country and all over the American Forces Network, wherever we have uh, soldiers and military. Yeah, that's called flashback. I've been doing that for nine years. So so I was I'm recording all of that. Then I'm tracking the night show. Um, So I had all that stuff to do. And it was crazy. And I had to there's one thing I had to give up now, in a sense. Here's the thing. I tried with my schedule to narrate the book. Uh, for audible. Well, actually originally it was just for, it was for books on CD mm-hmm. and, and it ended up on audible and I started doing it. And the problem was because of the craziness of my schedule, my voice didn't sound the same every day. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute, this isn't really linking up. This is going to be weird. And eventually I just literally had a conversation and, and just said, God, there's something that I have to give up here. I'm just, yeah, this is things are crazy. So, I spoke to the publishers and the people that do the audiobooks, and they said, well, we can get the guy who does the James Patterson books to read your book. And I, you know, in retrospect, I wish I had had the time and taken the time to read it because, you know, people really wanted he wanted to hear that. That was the one thing that came back to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm audible, audible and, um, and, and, through the books on CD and it was that people were, you know disappointed it wasn't me reading it But they still love the book and, and that's what meant the most To me uh, all the way around but I know It is weird when you have somebody reading and Pronouncing things because yeah You, know, yeah. you really have to know the music to, to know How to pronounce some of those things <laughs> Have the right inflections yeah but, I mean I thought Consider considering that's not his World I thought he did a pretty good job Of it and I'm, I'm oh, glad yeah. you like the stories Oh it, hell know? yeah
0: the stories were great and I loved Hearing like the, the more graphic Stuff that you could tell he was uncomfortable reading <laughs> Yeah the, yeah it was great I loved how real it was like it really like opened up to a lot of different things where I was like fuck yeah Matt is a real person like you're always real in your interviews but you let out a lot of information in that book that that really opens you up as a person you know like uh, you know all the stuff you've been going through recently too I'm sorry to hear that 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 uh, I'm, I'm glad you are where you are now and we have a mutual friend in Mike Mowry so uh, we've been through that yeah with him. and I love Mike Mike's
1: such a good dude oh, you know he, he, he- is when he came out uh, out to California, like to live, we were spending a lot of time together. And Mike's good, just great people. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where you know I was doing well. You know, I mean, I've made it no secret, you know, about you know my past struggles with alcohol and addiction. And I, um, you know, what happened was, I mean, it's so it's so essential. <laughs> and today, yesterday, they closed the gyms again uh, here in, in oh, California. Fuck. I didn't and know I, that. And I was bummed, I mean, you know, because even the gym in my building, which is like, you know, there's only like three or four people who use this gym, but they still got the word from the, from the state and the CDC that they had to close the gym, which was seriously disappointing.
0: what's going on guys this is Dewey I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records as you guys know Equal Vision Records is my family and so are these bands I really want you to check these out we've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album Vows out May 10th featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color thrice the interrupters and brendan and daniel from turnstile see them on the 30th anniversary tour with quicksand in the states in may and june and europe in november hotwatermusic.com for more info we also have be well with their new seven inch a tap i can't turn off out now first new music in two years from this band this band is incredible featuring members of battery bane darkest hour and fairweather see them on tour with i am the avalanche in june equalvision.com for more info on that and just your general information on equalvision records you're always going to find something you like at equalvision.com go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands check out hot water music's new record and b new seven inch now Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level, distrokid.com slash VIP. Slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you How about you listen to a good podcast For the first time in your miserable life I can think of one Overnight Drive Going Strong 11 years now The podcast about nothing Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) Ha, so do we why don't you come over and check it out, and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. PeerPleasure.SupportingCast.fm is the website. There's three tiers: Tier One. Tier two and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not gonna have any left. So I appreciate it. pleasure dot fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna start I'm just gonna be hiking from now on, you know, mm-hmm. just until then and you know, do it, and just using some dumbbells and push-up bars, because it's really essential. And one of the things, besides all the other insanity and uncertainty that came along with the coronavirus and COVID, closing everything down. You know, when you're in the program like I am, and you're a you're a guy that's, you know, working a program to stay sober, and and it, what it, without, it, it, all of a sudden it just it just threw an absolute wrench in my life. I mean, <clears throat> so many people have suffered because of this and you know i'm not saying i'm unique in any way to, uh, to, uh, to other people that are also going through i mean I, I my heart goes out to you know the parents who have young children or even teenage children and people are kids that you know can't can't go off to college or people kids that have to stay home and, and their parents are trying to homeschool them and keep their mental health mm-hmm. uh, together and um, i mean you know i'm lucky that both my daughters are adults but i am, um, you know i i just I feel for everybody, all the people that became unemployed. I mean, it it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart uh, how many people I know, because, you know, in the music side of things, I'm such a big part of, uh, of the live music scene and I'm always out at shows. So this thing completely changed my life like it did so many other people. So I couldn't work out the gyms were closed and i need that for mental health anyway you know it's just something that is really important that's a way to, you know kind of deal Mm -hmm. on top of all the other worries of you know other people in my family having lost their jobs um and just trying to take care of everybody it was just one of those really crazy times where you know i uh decided to pick up a bottle of vodka and it was not a good idea i mean it was one of those things where you know it's it kind of creeps up on you, you know, uh, you, uh, I start drinking and, uh, and then all of a sudden it gets, it, it, and it's not like I'm falling down drunk, but it's definitely, you know, it starts to affect my speech and things like that. Um, and it just affects my health more than anything. I mean, which is the most important thing, you know, it affects, you know, your heart It affects my leg where I got, when I was hit by the car and the leg was broken in half, mm-hmm. uh, It affects, you know, like I have that scar on my head. I mean, but I have you know, sir, it's just, that was the other thing I couldn't, because of COVID, I couldn't get all my medications that I needed. So it was really, it's, you know, it just, so when I did this most recent article, you know, that I, the interview in Rolling Stone, you know, at first I'll tell you, and I, and I talk about it in there, but you know, my friends gathered together and said, man, you know what, you know, we know you're, we know you're kind of in a bad place now. We We want to help you, you know, get somewhere and get some treatment. So I was completely open to it. I, you know, I didn't resist and I, you know, and I wasn't, I mean, I, I was ready to go and do what I needed to do to get well so I can be alive for my children and to keep doing my music and the things, you know, working with music and the things that I love. So as I'm driving up there with my friend Chris, right. And I, you know, I've been doing this uh, like live streaming show, uh, you know, for music cares mm-hmm. uh, called in a lonely place with Matt Pinfield. And I named it after like the Smithereen song and the uh, new order song. And it's a movie, from 1950 Humphrey Humphrey Bogart was in and it's just a cool name because In a Lonely Place really described the fact that I live alone because I ended my relationship with my girlfriend about a year ago and uh that wasn't really working so um you know uh I'm you know here by myself so it's just that was the kind of thing that was happening and I mean the only places that were open were liquor stores and drug stores where they sell liquor and it was not it was not a good thing for me and I'm just you know, it's not a laughing matter. I mean, it, it affected, you know, so many people. So I'm driving up there with my friend, Chris Trevera who works on the uh, the show with me because he, he I mean, he did a lot of legwork as a friend. I mean, he went and found a place where I could get a covid shot. So I was negative to go up into the streaming center. Mm-hmm. He drove me all the way to northern California from L.A. So like we took a ride that was a good seven hours uh, into the uh, northern California area of the Bay and. Um, as we got halfway up there, there's a place called the grapevine. It's like this, you know, it's, it's about halfway. And, you know, at that point I had thought that somebody had invested for me to pay them back. And, uh, my, I go on. So was there some kind of secret or angel investor in this? Cause music cares who I raised money for, they can only, you know, they can only give so much. They've got a lot of other people to take care of. And there's a, there's a cap, you know, so I, I get that. Um, and you know, I, I hate asking people for, uh, for help, but you know, at the end of the day, that's one of the things that you have to do. And I want to uh, you know, get that message out to anybody that might be w- listening to this podcast that is struggling, that it's really OK to ask for help. And it's very, very important. And that's why I've been so open about it, because uh, I want people to know they're not alone and they're not unique in that way. Um, this has been hard on so many people and especially for people in recovery that are you know, used to going to, uh, you know, recovery meetings and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, you know, just being out and having like socializing and fellowship with, with other people, the men and women that, you know, they, they meet through, uh, this, it's, it's a big part of it, you know, because getting sober and getting clean does not mean you're not having fun anymore. So you have this social group of people that you spend time with all of a sudden, you know, there's nowhere to go. There's no meetings. There's only meetings on zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, which you know, which I mean some of them are good, but also it's it's just it's still not the same as having that being uh, able to look someone directly in the eye, but I'm grateful that we have them, and I certainly use them, but i will uh I'll say so we're driving up there, and uh all of a sudden uh I go to Chris. So we're like who was uh, the angel of us? he goes, i was he goes uh, I just um I've gotten together with some friends and we're starting to go fund me to take care of this and uh and he goes and by the way i uh I put up my down payment on my house. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I go, I, <laughs> I "Holy
0: like, shit!" Oh.
1: And I said to him, "I said, dude, I'm I, you know I was horrified. I said, I said, Chris, what what if what, what if nobody donates?" I go, "There was a certain amount of guilt too. Like I didn't want somebody to be asking for money for me during a pandemic. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not really that kind of guy." And um, but he said, "No, no, we we're getting this together, me and your friends." And uh, so I went up there. Um, all of a sudden there was the first Rolling Stone article that was talking about how a bunch of musicians, you know, everybody from, you know, Johnny from the Google dolls and Perry from Jane's addiction, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Brett from shine down, uh, miles Kennedy from Alter bridge. And, you know, and then, you know, people like Henry Rollins and Tom Morello and all these other people that are friends of mine, you know, some that wanted to be, uh, that, you know, did it anonymously. And, and then also fans and people that I had worked with, and it was beautiful, whether it was $5 or 5,000. I mean, I was so blown away and touched by it. But I was like, "What? wait a minute, what if nobody donates here? That's a really, I don't, that would be, I said, well, I guess I'll be paying you off, Chris, for a long time, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's really, I was like, and then I got there and within eight days, they had raised $40,000, which was, you know, so humbling, you know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, these through people that gave of themselves because they, they, you know, they care about me and, uh, and many of them love me as friends or for, you know, in different ways. So that was just the most unbelievably humbling and touching and thing that brought me to tears. I mean, literally I purposely, while I was in treatment, I mean, the, the mandate was let's get off social media. Let's not be paying attention to this GoFundMe or anything else. So I can really concentrate on my treatment. Cause I had you know, physical health issues. And I had to deal with, you know, like just getting into a strong place again with the alcoholism and all that. And I got, you know, I I got strong. I rebooted in a big way. Mm -hmm. And then a few days before the, you know, I got discharged was when I looked at the list that they printed out for me of the, uh, people that had donated. And I, like I said, I was, I was so moved by it. It was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it's people that were banding together to save your life and, uh, to get you back into a good place. So, you know, my responsibility as a human being is, like I said, in the second Rolling Stone article that just came out, uh, recently. And, um, you know, if people are listening, they can look, they can look it up through Mm rollingstone.com and just put Rolling Stone, Matt Pinfield and, the two articles will come up, but I mean, I'm very, very open. Like, you know how you talked about in my book where I'm really open yeah, about it. And yeah. very, you know, cause I was no question about it. But he, I mean, I was even, you know, like here I, I was, I even was even more open and that's not because I wasn't open or candy coating anything in the book. But when the book came out, I still had one daughter that was 15 and I didn't want her to deal with any kind of, uh, you know, backlash or teasing the book, you know, with the book out there, while she's a kid in, you know, junior high, high school. So now that she's older and both my daughters just want me to be healthy and there for them, they love their father. Um, you know, I'm really completely open. So I went to the wall in that article, in that interview, and I've got letters from, from Paris, from Australia, uh, and people on social media and on their site, just saying how much it meant to them that, They were going through the same thing or, you know, a mother would reach out and say that, say that, uh, you know, my son who was 30 could not get his medication and uh, and that he overdosed and just and died. And uh, and that and that his best friend who was clean and sober for five and a half years also overdosed and died during this. So this thing is incredibly serious. So, yeah. And she thanked me for being super honest and bringing attention to how COVID was affecting uh, people in recovery. And I, and I thought that that was really important for me to do. And I've got nothing to hide, you know, like I said in there, uh, you know, it doesn't define me, you know, it's a, it's definitely a part of my life and I need to acknowledge it. And I always do and be there and be of service to other people. But the most important things I want to be able to continue to do what I do, work in music, do great interviews and just, you know, just work with artists. I mean, that's, that's what I I love to do. And and that and the other time is spent being a dag and uh, and you know working on and you know just working on myself and other people and helping others in recovery that are going through a rough time so yeah that's what it's all about well, you, you have a
0: really you have a really unique um, position here because you I mean and I'm 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 uh, in a program as well that Mike got me involved in uh, I went to a meeting with him when I was down in Silver Lake last time Um uh, go, I went to Fat Mike's house to do a big podcast thing, and uh, uh, Mike's like, "You want to hit a meeting in the morning?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll try it out." Anyways, it's for a different thing, but it's, it's it falls the same book and everything else, which I'm I'm working through that now. So I definitely understand where you're coming from to a certain point, you know, as, as much as I can. And and um, but your unique posi- position is uh, not being a musician yourself, but being as close as you are to the music world, and important as you are to the music world getting those kind of com- comments from people that musicians get all the time. You know, your music saved my life. You're hearing you say this got me to, to get clean or got me to stop doing this behavior, or you know. But you have come from the other side, from the, the side, you know, the other side of the interview, the other side of the conversation uh, and being so adjacent to music that you're getting those same comments from people. You know, your presence and your words are doing the same thing that these musicians are. That's what's so yeah. cool about this is, is you have, you have become such a part of music, uh, in your own way. It's insane to see that, that it's so cool to see that intermingle like that. Right. Like just like you're yeah. saying with your voicemails, like you should do a podcast. If you have, for some reason, recorded your voicemails through the years, just go through yeah. and play voicemails from these massive artists. Just being but real. Like, Hey big guy, are what are you doing? The you're like, Hell yeah. Yes. You know,
1: there's some great ones. And, you know, I mean, I'm very, very grateful that, you know, it's it's an interesting perspective that, you know, artists have said and, and you know, um, uh, artists and other people like rock photographers like Danny Clinch. I'll, re- I'll never forget when I was at the Tibetan Freedom Concert and he was taking pictures for the artist wall on Pearl Jam, the Beastie Boys, Rancid, like all these people. And he took my picture and he put it on a wall. I go, watch oh, my picture on the artist wall. He goes, well, you really are. Like, you're an artist in your own way. Absolutely. And I and I, you know, and that's and that it hit me and I said, you know, that's a really kind thing to say. But, yeah, it's um I mean, the thing that's so important to me is using my platform, not only, of course, for the thing that I love the most. And that's turning people on to great music and letting them get to know the artists that they care about personally and to get something, you know, something real out of it so they can feel connected. But also I have a, I have a responsibility because I have the platform to help others, you know what I mean? And that's what a lot of people have said to me over the years. I remember, you know, I mean, that that's the thing that you, that's your call, one of your, your calling. I mean, especially, you know, you know the story. I mean, when I got hit by that car, I should have been dead. I mean, I was walking across the street sober, but when I got hit by that car and I saw the car coming at me out of the corner of my eye and I jumped up, trying to jump out of the way. And I went through the windshield with my head, tore my head open. The next thing I know, because from the second that it happened so fast, from the second that I tried to jump out of the way, I next thing I remember is spinning off the hood of the car, I could smell the heat of the engine. I could smell that, that oil, that smell of smell of the gears. It was wild and it was hot. And then in that split second, and then I was thrown 15 feet spinning through the air. Jesus it's Christ. an absolute miracle that I am not paralyzed and when the EMS guys got there and they cut off my bloody clothes and they – you know, because I was conscious for the entire thing. Uh-huh. I mean, going through the windshield um, and I, my head completely ripped open, I was – I didn't – like, that just happened so fast that I didn't realize it had happened. But as I landed and laid there on the side of the ground, people surrounded me, um, and, you know, I, at one point I literally tried to lift myself off the ground and then looked down and my leg was like a pretzel. You know what I mean? I literally – it was compound fracture, so it was broken in half. The oh, bone was out. It. And it was... Uh, Jesus Christ. And I was, and I was in such shock and adrenaline that I didn't really feel the pain. But it was a pretty amazing, um, you know, that... You know, I, I, it's a good thing that one artery in your leg didn't sever because for some stupid reason, DMS guys didn't get there for nine minutes and I could have bled out. I was bleeding wow. everywhere anyway. But uh, for, for luckily, I that was a miracle again. And you know, when they, they lifted me onto a tarp because they had to be careful putting me into the EMS, EMS truck. And all of a sudden they closed uh, the door. They started giving me morphine to cut off all my clothes that were covered in blood. And they uh, asked me if I could feel my toes. They put like a gown over me, you know, that's the kind of thing that they do. And I uh, went, I just tried to squeeze my toes and they actually moved. And I looked at them because, and they said, I said, yes. And they go, you're a fucking miracle. And they said, they go, it's a, they go, you go, we have seen people that have been hurt less than you that are brain dead or paralyzed from the neck down or just plain dead because the car was speeding. So, I mean, you talk about miracles. Surviving that thing made me realize, you know, I've got to, I've got to always give back. You know, it's just so you know and but i love you mentioned fat mike man i love fat mike too i've gone over Dude, hung out with <laughs> yeah fat mike's awesome i love him you know went out with him you know we we, we you know we'll go out to dinner sometimes and you know i've been over to his place and watch the uh musical you know that uh-huh. the, the original yeah we just home hung Street, out home. there playing me some uh you know cookie the clown and you know when he was working on that record and and oh and God. the latest uh no effects, which is like I guess going to be a double album. But oh, it's yeah, we it's sat amazing. one night. We listened to that stuff into the wee hours in the morning. We had a, we had a good time. I love that Mike. He's dude. He's a really good dude. I brought you know?
0: Mike Maury with me to do that. Did Mike tell you that story? Oh no, he didn't. He we, we did great. the interview in that. his pool in latex. <laughs> oh, that's, that's where greatest. we did it. It was the fucking most hilarious thing ever. And I always think back to it. Always comes back somehow to uh, you know sometime in during the interview or whatever. When I get these weird situations is I wonder what Pinfield would do in this situation yeah, because you've you know, done so many, you know and and I always hearken back to that you know, positive attitude and that that you know it's it's the one thing that it, you never seem clinical. you never seem sterile. you seem real. you know you you're you're just a real person. and that's why I say like you're the connective tissue of the music business, right? Like you you tie everything together, you loop, you link, uh, you know Maynard from Tool to the biggest Tool fans right like you open yeah. up But you hold it together like you hold Them in, and that's the way I see it And and uh, but yeah, like, yeah Fat Mike's amazing like that's the I'm, yeah. I do these I'm Weird funny experiences And stories I've been collecting through this podcast I love hearing yours because You have so many uh, That's what I saying the voicemails would be hilarious To just do a podcast no, be, It
1: would be really cool and you know here's a really Interesting story when so my so it was my friend chris who reached out to rolling stone through because he'd worked with against me for years and uh-huh. you know and uh, he was also at one point a gm of epitaph gm of Dangerbird, um and chris um these are record labels that he worked at yeah, and yeah, yeah. many mm-hmm. many more but he um sent her a, a friend he knew a letter who worked at rolling stone and said you know i'm doing this thing for matt pinfield and You know, I'm doing this. Go me. I don't know if there's anything you guys can do or are interested in. And then he got an email back uh, from uh, the news editor who said, let me tell you something. He goes, when I was an intern, 17 years old in high school, up at MTV, he goes, I asked everybody there, all the other people, if they had time for me to work, help me work on my projects, on my paper. He goes, everybody said no and was just like shunned me away. He goes, and Matt. Said you you need you need some you want you need me I'll, I'll do this for you meet me tomorrow and I'll uh and I'll give you time he said I gave him an hour and a half uh and I I sat there with him and he said he'd never forgotten that because nobody else will give him the time wow. and that's because I remember when I was young I never had any connections I mean I never I you know everything came from just experience doing college radio producing local bands in New Jersey you know just being supporting the local scene through. The Rutgers radio station, RSU, just, you know, and DJing at clubs and, you know, did, you know, helping out independent bands. So that was, I mean, that was something I did build from the ground up. There was, I had no nepotism. I knew nobody in music. Yeah. Uh, and it just, you know, like it just worked hard at it for years. And, That's uh, and you so know, cool. you know, and so that he said, so he said to Chris, he wrote him back and said that he goes, he goes, listen, he goes, if uh, he goes, I, I'll never forget what Matt did for me when I was younger. He goes, and um he goes we'd love to cover that story so so there you go from there i mean like that's but that's the funny thing is that's something i would just i just do anyway I yeah mean, i like to help people out, that. you know um and and that's just you just be, just being good to people and also thinking about when i see young people that are trying to do things and get get a, get, get started and get a leg up i remember what it was like for me so that way I'm, i'll be good to them and try and help them out because I never had anybody do that. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. No. So, and you'll so never forget when, that. Yeah. So I'll never forget that. So I, if, if I'm that person that can help them get to the next space or do something, I mean, I'll, that, you know, I'll, I'll make myself available. You yeah. know. Uh, but it's cool, man. And we, you know, obviously we love so much great music all the way around, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I just. Uh, oh wait a minute! What is this right here? Okay, I apologize. I'm just looking to see. I don't think. All right, all right, we're cool. What time is? It? I'm gonna look just because I. uh 55 I mean, after.
0: We got, yeah, we can, yeah. we can cut it now, or we can.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got like, we got like about it's about about uh, five more minutes, and I'm sorry that it's so short. I mean, I can give No, you. this is amazing yeah.
0: that you're. Uh, I get you know this much time. Like it's it's and it's it's silly to say that I know, but uh, you know I'm I'm on the phone with with Matt Pinfield like. What the hell? Like, if I was a kid saying, you know, just like I do with a lot of these podcasts, if I was 20 years ago thinking, oh, I'm going to be, yeah, hanging out on the phone with so-and-so, yeah, right, you know? But same with me. Like, I, that's why I connect to you so much. Like, yeah, I was in music. I was in Portugal, man, for a bit. Anatomy of a Ghost, like, two, tons of touring. Been there. Stopped touring. Uh, had a family. Now I'm a commercial plumber with a podcast. I don't have as fantastic. many connections, but I still, I find it. Like, I find yeah. my way in and I make it real. That's right. I, I love you. that
1: about you. I, I love that and I'm 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 really glad that we can make this happen too, you know. And and listen, I I, I, I so get it. I mean, you know, with you know, with, with, it's great to be a dad, you know? And I how old are your kids right now
0: during I, this covid thing? Uh 7 and 8.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I my heart goes out to you and your you and your wife because I just you know, I know that it's I know so many of my friends, you know, we're trying to do the best for our kids and keep them busy. Right. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it's uh, I, I know that there are challenges to come with that because you love your children. And you're like, wow, they they're getting robbed of this time to actually go to go to school and be out there with their other friends. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's hard for everybody. So I give you so much credit and respect for for doing that. And believe me, well, thank uh, you very much. you know.
0: I do, man. I, my you know. wife is a, my wife is a, a miracle worker with time and doing the homeschool thing and everything else. So I can do, uh, I can go to work and I can keep the podcast going. I mean, there's big things happening there and, and, uh, it's like on a roll now to where things are going to start really working. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited about that, but, um, yeah, this whole situation has just been nuts, but it really makes you stop and think, you know, and, and. Uh, you know, in your situation too. I thought before seeing the article and, and hearing that the, the recent happenings, I was thinking to myself, how many people that are suffering like the same things I'm I'm dealing with on uh, in my program? But the de- the depression and the uh, isolation. How many yeah. people are going to relapse? How many people are not going to meet that person that changed their life at the show on Friday because there was no show on Friday? You know, like yeah. how much. You know like movie style Things are not happening like Movie endings are not happening Because people aren't running into Each other at this show or at this restaurant Or you know think of how many chance Happenings in your life put you where you are How many of those aren't happening
1: And these are yeah and it just breaks my heart Especially and we you and I both know from You know from like being on The road or having friends like you know All the people that work In all the bars clubs venues all the all the techs, you know, all the gaffers, all the people that do different things, whatever that happens to be, um, that are out of work right now. It's heartbreaking to me, you know what I mean? And yes. I just hope that everybody holds on, you know. And I, I I just I wish that this country was as cool as they were in the U K, where they I think they get what did they get five billion. So uh, Just to keep the venues, the people, and everybody involved in the arts afloat. Yep. We could take a lesson from them on that, you know what
0: I mean? Yeah, that Save Our Stages program. I think that goes in front of Congress or so, this week or next week.
1: I hope it does. Oh. I really hope it does.
0: It's so and, um, important. And, yeah, people just yeah, need to realize that.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, – yeah, so, I mean, I'm hoping that this thing – we, we, if we find a solution, a vaccine, something that changes – uh, this trajectory that we've been on because it's, you know, it's heartbreaking and it's, I know, you know, but I'm, I mean, and I'm really grateful because and I feel for the other people, there are other people out there that were going through what I was and hitting a brick wall, you know, and, and, uh, and I was blessed enough and lucky enough that I had friends that wanted to help me get back to a good place. And I got a reboot and I'm lucky I'm here, and I'm, but I'm what I'm going to do with my, with that energy, is like i said just do my best to be there for other people i've had yeah. friends that read the article that called me that literally just went into treatment from a treatment center and i just said look i'll be here for you when you get out you know what i mean and
0: that's huge that's it
1: but uh but yeah man you know i'm i really i'm psyched that uh the portugal guys are great too oh yeah i so love them so was rich was rich holtzman um managing them when you were in yeah. band too? yeah he was yeah. Rich is a, Rich is a good, I mean, I know Rich cause we have a funny story about going to Iceland together when he used to work at four AD oh. <laughs> and uh, with that band Gus Gus. Cause you know, it was like, it was it was in the one twenty days. It was early on. And uh, obviously, you know, Bjork and the sugar cube smokes were yeah. really endorsing Gus Gus. And they were a great band and they were really cool. And he said, look, he goes, you know what? I'm bringing a bunch of uh, journalists over here. Where, you know, my company's flying a bunch of journalists. He goes, you know, you want to come for a couple of days? And, and I said, sure. So I went to Iceland and it was funny because that was when the Bible Belt was trying to make, uh, you know, cable companies take MTV off. So I only had like a few days and then I had to fly back to New York and then out to like Iowa and uh, for a, for a rally to keep MTV on the air and kind of <laughs> lead that. But I remember how crazy it was because I knew I needed to get back. I loved being there in Iceland. It was wild because the band was playing this mall that was basically an observatory and they turned it, I was sitting there with that artist, Von uh, Von Oliver, who did like all the Pixies album covers and Cocteau Twins and all that cool stuff. And he was such a great guy. He recently passed away in the last year. And, um, but I remember being there and, there's a place in in, in Reykjavik, it's uh, it's called the Blue Lagoon and it's salt mines, right? Yes. It's called the Blue Lagoon. And it's like really amazing. But this was January, right? So they were like, well, do you wanna go in the, and it was, I guess it was this, was it was it the only time I went? I can't remember when I went twice earlier and then did it again. Maybe it was the only time, but the point was, I was going there on my way to the airport to fly back. So Gus Gus were getting a photo shoot done like not far from there while they were doing it right around there. And all of a sudden I'm in there and the funny thing is everything else is very warm. You know, they say it's really therapeutic. Uh You're in these salt mines, but it's snowing on the top of my bald head. So I'm feeling the warmth down here and freezing (laughs) on the top of my head. So my, you know, my head is, and a a foot and a half to two feet of snow fall in like 20 minutes. So it's like, or less. So all of a sudden I'm like, Oh man, they're like, what are we going to do? Matt's got to get back. MTV is going to be pissed. They've set up this whole, rallying uh, and so so basically the band was like their manager was like you know in that it's such a small country that you know with, with the amount of people that he was like he was like dialed into everything so their manager this guy named Bolzar, he was like well all right we're gonna call camp for you but if uh It doesn't come. We'll just we'll just take the band's bus and we'll drive you to the airport. (laughs) And so like by this time it's two and a half feet of snow. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna miss this flight. And uh all of a sudden we see this cab coming through the snow, coming up to get me. And the crazy thing was that he actually held the plane. He had the power to hold the plane. (laughs) So they held the plane for like 40 minutes you can imagine the other people were, were not loving me when i walked in the plane yeah like well, oh you know I mean? no they weren't but i had to get back that night i remember getting landing in new york and then hanging with barrett, barrett martin from uh screaming trees uh and then literally like getting out of plane the next day you know what i mean yeah because because uh, i screaming trees were in town and he was in the same hotel and we just hung out and and then the next thing you know i'm flying out to the to the uh, rally it was just pretty funny right
0: dude that's but, um, hilarious
1: but it's just like yeah i was just thinking about that with rich because rich was you know working at Four AD at the time yeah I remember you know just the first time i heard portugal the man i was like i love these guys and then you know when i found out you know that everybody listened to oasis too because i'm a huge oasis yeah, fan i am too you yeah you know so you know that that's that's really you know i, I mean so that was one of the things we bonded over early on but um I just want to you know I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed This Dewey oh man and I, I thank you
0: That means the uh, world to me
1: Yeah and I wish I, you know like I, I wish We could keep going uh, but, but I'm getting picked up in like Two minutes so I gotta run downstairs
0: Dude, It's all good I, man it's all good I just appreciate the time man and and this Is I, mean, I these conversations fuel Me up man I, I appreciate it A lot and uh, thank yeah. you so much for all The years of of uh, Inspiration and just ideas and and just, you know, putting stuff in the back of my mind when I'm in those situations now where I can think back and kind of pull from different things, you know? Uh, no,
1: I appreciate that. that. means a lot to me, too. And, and you know, I, I'm glad we finally got to do this. And since we, you know, our mutual friend and Mike Maury, who we who we love, he's a good man. Yeah. You know what I mean, and, uh, he's, he's good people. So I, I appreciate this. And if you ever need me again in the future, just uh, just let me know. I will be there for you, you will know, do,
0: and, my friend. And, and, and
1: I wish you and your family all the best, man your children and your wife, you know, send my, send my best to them. And you know, uh, we will, uh, I look forward to it when, when you put this up, let me know. Okay. I will. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Awesome. Be great.
0: Thank you, Matt. Right, I do, appreciate it, buddy. Take,
1: yeah. So we take care. It was really great talking to you. Thanks awesome. again. Okay? Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. You got it. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Take care. Bye.
0: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Pinfield, legendary, uh, music journalist and interview connoisseur. He is, uh, He's famous for liking so many different things, so many different bands. But, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to find a middle ground, even with bands you're not a huge fan of, finding a middle ground and, like he said, building a bridge between the fan and the band. That, that uh, Basically, that he's doing a service to the fans of that band, bringing them closer together by asking the right questions, even if he may not truly be a fan of that band. And uh, that takes a lot you know, to understand your position and to make it your own. And uh, so that's something I respect about Matt. And I just love his uppity personality, his classic voice. No one sounds like he does. And uh, it was so surreal being on the phone, listening to that voice I've listened to since I was a teenager uh, on the other end of the phone. So anyways, that's one of the cool things about this podcast, getting to talk to heroes, getting to talk to people you've admired or looked up to or just been curious about so uh thanks for coming back week after week guys big stuff coming uh i'm not sure who we're gonna release next week i've got a few in the can and i'm, I'm trying to decide in order uh, maybe i'll throw up a poll who knows but uh good stuff coming next week and the week after that and the week after that we got a lot in the can we're ready to roll and like i said big stuff coming big announcements coming so uh be sure to rate review and subscribe so you don't miss a beat All right, guys. I'm tired i'm gonna get out of here i know you guys don't like hearing me yammer on so thanks to matt pinfield for coming on the show uh, thanks to mike mowry for connecting us and as always we'll see you on the radio
1: Bowie, Dylan, Marley.